Hello and welcome to The Yarn, Australian Wool Innovations podcast. I'm Marius Cumming. Today we head from the wide open landscapes of the Australian outback to the snow-capped mountains of the Himalayas in India, with Australian merino wool as the common link. It's a fibre that joins both of these amazing landscapes. Before that, though, I'm speaking to you from the Balmoral Show in Western Victoria. It's a hot autumnal day, perhaps the last blast of summer for this year, and with me are three young wool growers who have just returned from a tour of China guided by AWI. And to the yarn, we welcome Sue and Rod Miller and Warren Russell. Guys, welcome home. What was it like? Oh, look, it was fantastic. I've come home, um, I suppose you saved me batteries recharge for the wool industry. Very positive. The Chinese love Australian wool and at the moment they just can't get enough of it. They're scared that we're going to actually run out. So I understand that you saw quite a few fully vertical, vertical integrated mills from sort of right from uh, raw wool through to finished product as well as all sorts of other things. Um, was this your experience as well, Warren? You've come back enthused? Certainly, Marius. Seeing the, the, the vast scale um, and the amount of volume of wool that China uh, consumes and uses is just incredible. It's really heartening to um, see how much scale there is for there to increase um, the amount of wool that they use and, and consume domestically as well. And so what were they talking about? Uh, what did the Chinese processors talk about? Are they concerned about supply or were they happy to see some younger growers? What was your impression of it all? In supply-wise, um, they were looking for more wool and in they loved just seeing all the young wool growers there. They were very excited to see so many enthusiastic young wool growers there. The demand, yeah, they, they just want more wool. Every Every group of um, processors that we visited, uh, they wanted to know if we could produce more super fine and fine type wools. Um, they were looking, certainly looking for that type of wool and more of it uh, for the next to skin wear particularly. Uh, they felt that that was a really big growth area. One of the knitting mills that we visited was um, expanding their, um, their capacity by a third in, in that particular um, area of, of garment making. Was there much talk of price resistance uh, from the Chinese wool buyers, or did you did you speak about price? Their price is obviously going to come up. Well, look, naturally enough, they're saying it's too dear, but who wouldn't say that when they're buying the wool? I mean, you know, they've got to say that they're running a business too, but they're obviously prepared to pay for it at the moment. So, because of supply, I suppose. Yeah, they did say, um, you know, one one place we went to, they, they were saying, you know. How quickly can you increase the um, the amount of uh, fine and super fine wool you produce, and uh, are we paying enough for it? And um, I think that was sort of really positive thing for us to hear as, as wool growers. So have you come back thinking that uh, we spend your money wisely, essentially? Yes. Yes. Certainly, it was um, it was terrific to see um, to visit um, AWI offices in um, Shanghai and in uh, Hong Kong. And I came away with the impression that, um, you know, there was a terrific quality of staff. I don't think they were overstaffed, and I thought the, um, the economy of scale of their offices was um, spot on as well. I don't think that um, AWI, I think AWI is using our funds fairly wisely in, um, in their overseas offices, particularly in, in uh, Shanghai and Hong Kong. Hopefully, we, as, as, as young um, wool producers that have, have been over there, visiting these places 
uh, AWI officers and, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to um, share our experiences with other people uh, of what a valuable job we think they're doing. Bullgrowers Rod and Sue Miller and Warren Russell, part of a delegation that paid their own way on an AWI Young Woolgrower Tour of China. That happens every year if you would like to join it. We're here in the main street of a very sun-drenched and warm Longreach. Uh, it's a very busy main street, I have to say. A famous township uh, known for the birth of Qantas and a very uh, very busy agricultural region and historically a very important wool growing region, uh, wool having having built this area. And I'm here with uh, local wool growers, Joy and John Hardy. Joy is the coordinator for the Leading Sheep Network, which is the AWI Extension Network here in Queensland. Um, Joy, thank you very much for speaking to the yarn. How's things in Longridge? A lot of people are still de-stocked from the, from the drought and even though we had fantastic winter rain around the region, it hasn't really um, come to fruition this summer so people are starting to get worried and with high prices for sheep, it's making it very difficult for people to get back into sheep just with the prices and having a, a doing in the drought. You organised a, a bit of a, a get-together and information day for those in the sheep industry and particularly for wool. What was it like and uh, what, how did the day go? We were amazed at the, the response because you never quite know when you put these events on. They, they, you know, the planning happens months ahead and depending on what's happening with, with seasons and as to what sort of response. And we had 70 people come to yesterday's forum. The topic was your sheep health is your wealth. So it was just a general information day on the latest updates on disease, parasites and um, basic sheep, good sheep um, ethics. I mean the commitment to protecting sheep, protecting flocks with the enormous amount of fencing going on, hundreds and hundreds of kilometres. John, what's been your experience uh, with wild dogs? It's only really starting to, to hit us now in the last few years. Um, you know, years ago you might see one dog in 10 years. Um, and now they, you, you're getting visits sometimes every month. Um, dogs coming in and, and killing a few sheep. From further east, they're just getting thicker and thicker. And you know, I think the most devastating part of the whole thing is that all these little towns out here is dependent on the wool industry. And it's just putting another little nail in the coffin of trying to um, build the sheep numbers up. And uh, I think uh, a lot of wool growers further south probably don't realise the, the financial commitment to putting in a dog fence. What sort of money are we, we talking of? I mean it's thousands of dollars per kilometre and then there's you know often hundreds of kilometres. So how do people fund these fences? How's it happened? The figure of around about $7,000 a kilometre is, is um, a bit of a ballpark figure. That's if you get a contractor into you know, to do a lot of the work, putting up the fence. A lot of graziers put in the stays and the gates and that sort of thing, but they have a contractor to go along and put the fence up. But if you're lucky enough to get into a cluster, the funding is $2,700 per kilometre towards your fencing products. That's a fantastic help. Given that a lot of people um, are fencing, uh, I understand that it, it also changes the game for producers in terms of biosecurity but also grazing control and it, it, it brings 
the power back to uh, back to the the grazier for for many purposes. So, is there a change of mindset once fencing is completed in a region, and uh, are we seeing sheep come back into those spots? Yes, I think that the only thing holding back now is is, is having enough grass, uh, having a season. I think people feel it's a big weight goes off their shoulders when when they then don't have to be out there every night looking looking for the dogs or and trapping all the time. But having said that too, it's very difficult to get those last few out of the out of the inside the fence. They get very cunning and finding it, you have to use helicopters in all sorts of ways trying to get them. Hello, I'm from India. I'm Aarti Gudal, the country manager. Today I'm in the Himalayas, in the snow peak mountains of Himalayas, where we have a partner, Butiko, who've been the Wilmark licensee for the last 18 years. They are a handling cooperative using merino wool extensively. And we have with us today Satyaprakash Thakur, the chairman of Butiko Cooperative. Thank you for being here. And our Australian wool growers are very pleased that you've been using Australian merino wool for last so many years. If you can help us uh, talk about a little more of how do you use it. Since when you've been using merino wool in your brand, Butiko, sir? Uh, right from 1956, we are regularly using this merino wool. And uh, our customers, buyers are more than happy. And uh, you are the only handloom, uh, you have only handloom machines. So how many machines and workers are employed with you? Almost uh, 1,000 uh, beavers family, families are directly or indirect, indirectly connected with Bhutti Weavers Cooperative. The name is Bhuttiko. Mm -hmm. And they are uh, earning a good money from this weaving. Uh, uh, We've just realized, I've been to your stores and I've seen that from just being a shawl, Kulu shawls or Butiko shawls, you moved to a various brand, various other products as well, spread across all retail chains. Can you explain what is your product line, in especially in Merino wool that you cater to? In fact, we are making everything which is born from Merino wool. We started from our socks and then other garments, famous Himachal Kulu cap, and then Kulu shawls with intricate designs scarves, mufflers and stoles, shawls and so many other things. The help rendered by Wolmark company in different ways, it has helped us in enhancing our sales. In fact, uh, the program launched by Wolmark of India has helped us in increasing our sales and uh, our buyers to know more about natural merino fiber of Australia and uh, its texture and this has widened the scope of qualitative production. Thank you so much sir and thank you and I would like to sign off. Thank you Mr. Thakur, we would be more than happy to continue working with you and again try to support you through the Grown in Australia Made in India initiative. Thank, thank you ma'am, thank you very much. That's the chairman of Weaving Cooperative Butico, that's B-H-U-T-T-I-C-O. There with our India country manager, Adi Gadal, ending a very geographically diverse version of the yarn. I really hope you enjoyed it and look forward to speaking with you soon. Farewell for now.